0: Good morning everyone, my name is Pastor Tom. For those of you who don't know, thank you for joining us here today. Thank you for those of you who are watching online and for giving us some of your time this Sunday. I wanna to begin today by quoting from an author named Tony Reinke, or Reinke in his article, The Secrets of God in Our Suffering. And he writes this, we the Google generation don't wait for answers. Why should we? Our smartphones and computers anticipate and complete our questions for us. And with one more tap, ranked answers return to us at the speed of light. Hyperspeed results in the digital world shape our expectations for all of life. When the check engine light appears, we take our car to a mechanic to diagnose. When our bodies get sick, doctors analyze us and analyze our blood. When it comes to retirement planning, we meet with a strategist who can give us answers on investment markets. We expect answers everywhere we turn. And then he writes we're increasingly conditioned to expect that every question, problem, or perplexity in this world can be met with answers or at least intelligent predictions, we have very few unanswered mysteries anymore and a wealth of mechanisms for finding quick answers and predictable solutions. But when suffering hits and the wounds open, so do unanswered questions. Questions like, Why does everything seem to go right for them and seem so hard for us? Why haven't things worked out as I planned? Why do I or my loved one have this condition? Why did my loved one die so young? Why did this have to happen and ruin all my plans? How do you handle unanswered questions in your life? And we're talking about waiting on God through this Christmas season. And last week, we looked at Zechariah and the Israelites. They had waited 700 years for the coming of the Messiah and 400 years for the coming of the forerunner who would come in the spirit of Elijah. And as Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth had waited their entire lives to have children. And then when the angel announced that this would actually happen, Zachariah doesn't believe the angel and is struck mute so he has to wait another nine months before he can speak. And we learn that to wait on God we need a renewed perspective of him and a revamped approach to waiting. The renewed perspective being that God accomplishes his word in his time And the renewed perspective or revamped approach is that we must learn to trust him with believing dependence on him to sustain us through our times of waiting. Well, this week's passage raises the issue of living with unanswered questions and the mysteries of God. How do we deal with that? And this comes in the account of the angel speaking to Mary. Mary. The angel brings life-altering news to her, and we're going to look at how she responds and what we can learn. And I pray that God will use this today in some way to encourage you, to help you, especially if you have unanswered questions in your life. So please find Luke chapter 1, verses 26. And we'll start there, reading to verse 45, and then end at verse 56. It's page 721 in the Bibles in front of you if you want to follow along. This is immediately following the passage that we looked at last week. So Luke 1, verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed, to a man whose name was Joseph And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed, And then verse 56, and Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. So God sends Gabriel to prepare Mary for the miraculous conception of Jesus, the Son of God. The same angel that met Zechariah in the temple in Jerusalem goes to a city, more like a small town called Nazareth, in the far region called Galilee. So, Galilee is in the northern part of ancient Israel and quite far from Jerusalem, quite far from political and religious power. And the angel goes to little Nazareth to meet this woman who is betrothed. Betrothal in first century Jewish culture was similar. To our engagement today, but much more serious and legally binding. If you wanted to break off a betrothal, you had to get a divorce. Luke tells us she is a virgin, betrothed to Joseph of the house of David. And this was important because the Messiah had to come from the line of David, who was a king about a thousand years before, and the Lord called him a man after God's own heart. David was far from perfect but he loved the Lord. He wrote over half the Psalms that we have in the Old Testament and God promised that someone from his line would reign over the kingdom of heaven forever. So Luke prepares for us in this in Jesus' life, for this in Jesus' life. And one would naturally conclude that the child would be conceived after Joseph and Mary's wedding when they came together. But Luke has already alerted us to something. He uses the word virgin twice in verse 27. Gabriel is sent to a virgin betrothed, and then he says the virgin's name was Mary. So virgin here means someone who has never had sex. And Luke gets everything set up for this encounter with Gabriel. And in verse 28, Gabriel shows up and speaks to Mary and says, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But the greeting doesn't comfort Mary. She is greatly troubled, according to verse 29. This young woman is a deep thinker, for Luke tells us she tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And maybe she wonders why she, an ordinary woman, From an obscure village in a faraway region is getting visited by the angel of the Lord. Yet Gabriel immediately addresses her fears with the reassuring words, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And then he goes into the news. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And Gabriel goes on to describe the greatness and uniqueness of this child. But I wonder if Mary heard anything after that first phrase Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. What has Luke already emphasized for us? She's a virgin. She seems to immediately understand that this conception will not involve Joseph. So she asks the question, how will this be since I am a virgin? There's that word again. Luke wants us to see that this is a central piece to this account. And Mary's question also raises another question. If we read the earlier part of Luke, why was her question okay? And Zachariah's question in verse 18, not Okay. We'll get to that in a minute. But Gabriel responds with the answer, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. That's the answer to her question. In some mysterious, miraculous way, Mary will conceive by the power of God without a man. And Gabriel adds further encouragement about this possibility by informing Mary of some other miraculous news. Her aged relative Elizabeth, who could not have children, has conceived. In fact, she is in her sixth month, and that's how the passage started, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. Gabriel also acknowledges the human impossibility of what he has just said. But since God is involved, verse 37, nothing will be impossible. And then, this remarkable young woman from an obscure town in a faraway region proves the wisdom of God's choice in her. She responds with obedience and submission of will. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Then Gabriel departs. Yet Mary does not seem completely at peace. Luke tells us she hurried to visit Elizabeth. Did she need confirmation or comfort? We don't know. But when Mary arrives, the child in Elizabeth's womb leaps. And last week we saw that the child would be filled with the Holy Spirit while in the womb. Elizabeth pronounces a blessing on Mary and the fruit in her womb... And she considers herself blessed to receive a visit from the one who will bear God's son. And notice in verse 45 that Elizabeth points to Mary's belief in the angel's announcement. Mary stays with Elizabeth three months, according to verse 56, and then she returns to Nazareth to face the uncertainty and the challenge of being pregnant apart from her husband. So that is the account of Luke 1, verses 26 to 56. And what can we learn from all this that will help us generally and specifically with the unanswered questions in our lives? Well, first of all, we must learn or recognize the absolute uniqueness of God's Son that is revealed here. God will send the most unique person in all of human history to be supernaturally conceived in Mary. And throughout the passage, we see titles and descriptions that put Jesus in a category all by himself. His name is Jesus, which was somewhat common at at that time. So that's nothing super unique, but it does mean the Lord saves. And then Luke says, he will be great. He will be called son of the most high, which was a title for God in the Old Testament. He would be of royal blood and receive David's throne and he would reign forever. His kingdom would never end. And sometimes you and I need this reminder about Jesus' uniqueness because we live in a culture that tries to flatten Jesus down, to be common. Just like any other historical figure or religious founder, he's just one of several or many, nothing too special about him. But notice as well, the miraculous conception of Jesus contributes to his uniqueness. God promised that the seed of the woman would destroy the serpent. And here God is going to bring this about without human effort. And the supernatural conception also protected him somehow from the transitioning of the sin nature of his parents onto himself. So he could be called holy, the son of God. And with this conception, deity and humanity were united in one person. And so again, when we face uncertain times and unanswered questions we sometimes need a reminder of the absolute uniqueness of the one that we serve the one who loved us the one who saved us and even when we think our unanswered questions are completely unique this one jesus understands and knows all things about what we face So first, recognize the absolute uniqueness of God's Son revealed here. Number two, notice God's deep compassion for Mary through this communication. He sends a messenger to prepare her for what's coming. Imagine if Mary didn't get this messenger and suddenly she's pregnant. And she doesn't know what's happening she doesn't know who she's carrying she has no explanation to offer no inner peace or help no reassurance from god but god shows his great love for her by sending her this messenger and the messenger is sensitive to mary's concerns he senses her fear so he assures her don't be afraid He answers her confusion. He points to God's great work in another person's life. He declares that nothing will be impossible for God. And when we face unanswered questions in our lives, we might begin to conclude that God doesn't care, that God isn't listening, that God isn't paying attention, but God is a compassionate God. And he offers similar concern and compassion to you and me. As we face unanswered questions, Exodus 34, 6 states, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. So whatever uncertain situation or unanswered questions you face, the Lord cares about it. The Lord has compassion for it. He is abounding in steadfast love. Then comes number three, the question. Notice that the focus of Mary's question is on information from God rather than proof. Both Mary and Zechariah ask a question of Gabriel after the announcement. Yet Zechariah gets struck mute for unbelief and Mary gets an answer. So what's the difference? Zechariah asks, how shall I know this? For I'm an old man and my wife is advanced in years. Mary asks, how will this be, since I am a virgin? At first, it seems the questions are almost identical. Zechariah asks for knowledge, and he points to his own frailty or reality. Mary asks for knowledge, and points to her own situation. Yet upon closer examination, we might be able to discern some slight differences. It seems that Zechariah asks for proof that God could do this. It's like Zechariah puts God to the test. Whereas Mary doesn't disbelieve God's ability. She just doesn't know how it's possible. So maybe Zechariah asks from an unbelieving heart and Mary asks from a humble heart. Which means when it comes to the unanswered questions in our lives or the perplexities that we face, our heart attitude in prayer is crucial if we ask for clarification from god about something that we're praying about with a humble heart it may result in more clarification but asking for proof in god's ability may result in a rebuke from god for unbelief sometimes god is merciful sometimes god gives revelation and puts up with foolish questions But we must learn to examine our heart posture towards God as we go through times of uncertainty and unanswered questions. Number four, Mary's obedience models an appropriate response to God's call on our lives. She submitted herself to the Lord's call. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. How long do you think this conversation was between Gabriel and Mary? Two minutes? Five minutes? And by the end of it, Mary agrees and obeys. How long do you think it would take you or me to obey something that the Lord commanded us to do. Wouldn't we more likely wrestle with God because his will might get in the way of all of our wonderful plans? Of course, it would make a huge difference if an angel from the Lord appeared to us and then the angel told us what God was doing and the role that we had to play and what he wanted from us, yet an angelic appearance doesn't guarantee belief. Just Last week we saw that a devout man like Zechariah receives the angel of the Lord and doesn't believe. But I think many of us, if commanded by God to do something, might require more information. We want to know what we need to do, how long it will take, what resources he will provide, how it will affect our family, and especially if it will interfere with our vacation plans. Because those are already booked. So God better work around that. You see how crazy this can get? And I don't think Mary just suddenly attained a posture of obedience and willingness to do the Lord's will. I think she had been cultivating in her heart this heart attitude. My life is the Lord's. I will obey what he calls me to do, whatever that may be. And none of us knows the future. We don't know what life will bring or what God may call us to submit to in the life that he has for us, but it will help if we are already practicing submission and obedience to his will in our everyday lives. Which leads to the last point in finding peace amidst unanswered questions. Number five, we must surrender to the reality of God's mysterious ways if we want to experience peace with him. Though Mary got some answers, she didn't get everything. She still had to walk with faith through the next nine months, through trying to explain to Joseph how she is pregnant, but not with a man. And then she has to walk through the unanswered questions in God's mysterious ways through the loss of her husband, For he does not appear again in the Gospels after the birth narrative. So he must have died at some relatively early age. And then she had to work through the whole confusion about Jesus' ministry. And at one point we're told that Jesus' mother and brothers thought he had lost his mind. And then she had to work through the whole arrest of her son and the humiliating public execution of her son on the cross. And there were times, or there must have been times, that none of this made sense, that she had plenty of unanswered questions. And the same applies to you and me with the unanswered questions in our lives. How do we live with them? especially when they involve deep suffering and pain. Recently, I heard a story, a testimony, really, from a young woman named Kayla Stoichlein. She was interviewed, and she and her husband, Andrew, lived in the greater Los Angeles area, ministering in a large church that was growing and successful. And with three young boys, they seemed to have it all. Great marriage, great church, great family, great location, great future. But in the summer of 2018, Andrew's mental health took a dive until he tragically died at the end of the summer at the age of 30. So suddenly, Kayla is a widow at the age of 29. She is suddenly a single mom with three boys, young boys. And she spent a significant time at the cemetery at her husband's grave in her first year of grief. So it's only been four years. Yet in listening to her talk, I heard hope, some joy, some deep perspective on living a life that you never planned. And here's what she said about living with unanswered questions. It's like living in this posture of surrendering to the mystery of all the things I'm never going to be able to understand. I'll never understand why God allowed Andrew to die at 30 years old. I'll never understand why I'm in this life as a widow and single mom of three boys. I'll never understand why God called me to this or allowed this to happen. But I can live and surrender to the mystery of all the things, all the unanswerable questions that we were never meant to answer. And I think for so long in my prior life, I was clinging to the answers and thought I needed to have all the answers. And what I've realized in this opening up of my faith and view of God is that I was never meant to have all the answers. I was always meant to surrender to the mystery. I was always meant to live with unclenched hands and this deep dependence and this deep trust that God is with me no matter where I go. There's nowhere I can go from his presence. He's with me and providing for me and taking care of me. And there isn't anything I have to do to earn that love. There isn't anything I have to do to prove myself worthy. It's like he's going to love me and be with me and provide for me and make a way for me and my little family no matter what. And all I have to do is trust him. And so it's been this beautiful opening up of my faith. And I'm just so grateful. And for some of us here today or watching online, maybe we've been stuck in our lives or our walk with God, waiting for an answer. And we refuse to move ahead unless we get the answer from God. Or we refuse to surrender to the mystery of God and His ways. And we're desperately searching for some answer that we think will unlock everything. But maybe we won't get the answer. Maybe God, in his wisdom, will not reveal the answer to us. Instead, he calls us to trust him and walk with him in whatever reality we face today. One other thing she said has really stuck with me and applied to my life. She said we must learn to release what was, To welcome what is and to dream about what could be. The mystery of God's ways test our faith. And when we face unanswered questions, we must decide. Will we continue to trust God through them or will we hit the pause button on life, on our faith until we get what we want? And yet, we have not found peace or strength to move forward. And perhaps a significant step can be taken toward peace for your soul today by surrendering to the mystery of our loving God's ways. And so I'd encourage you today to ask the Lord to speak deeply to your soul about finding peace in him amidst unanswered questions. Maybe he's calling you today to go much deeper in knowing the absolute uniqueness of Jesus Christ. Maybe you need to remember the compassion that God has for you. Maybe the questions that you have for God have come from a place of unbelief rather than humility. Maybe you have resisted obeying God in something he's already shown you that you need to do. Or maybe it's time to surrender to the mystery of God's working in your life or the lives of those close to you. We can trust God even with our unanswered questions. And so I want to invite you to come to him now. And as we pray, I want you or invite you to bring before the Lord maybe something that He's been speaking to you about, maybe some unanswered situation that has been weighing heavily on your soul. And I want to invite you to offer it up to Him and to ask Him for strength to figure out what it looks like to surrender to His timing his mystery, his will. And Lord God, you know what is being thought about right now in this room on, online. Many serious, deep, unanswered questions and situations are being brought before you Maybe they have brought forth pain or sorrow or anger. But Lord, you are above this all. You are absolutely unique, Jesus. You are deeply compassionate, God. You respond to your people's prayers with wisdom, especially when we come with humility. You have said that if we love you, we will keep your commands. And so help us to keep your commands and obey. And perhaps most of all, show us how to live. Surrendering the unanswered questions of our lives to you. Thank you, Lord, that your mystery is wonderful and wise, and sovereign, and ultimately good for us. But help us, Lord. Help us, we pray, in your name, amen.